Now, NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio with Lee Whitting. Whether you're listening on TalkZone by podcast, through the archives of our ad-free shows on our YouTube channel, or connected through the incredible content of our Facebook page. For a long time now, this program has gently prodded organized religion to incorporate the essential reality of NDEs, those near-death visions of the other side that demonstrate the understanding that God is still speaking to us. Along with all the veridical evidence that out-of-body experiences uh, prove are real, comes the basic understanding taught as well by the great religions that our duty is to love God and show compassion and love to one another. But the 2024 New Year is bringing with it a whole new politically entwined crisis in the Christian community, as some pastors and their congregations turn away from the teachings of the New Testament Jesus in favor of Old Testament themes of racism, misogyny, and bigotry. Like the Pharisees Jesus condemned, Some churches claim to be teaching the will of God while feeding their congregations divide-and-conquer beliefs in racism, sexism, homophobia, greed, and even eye-for-eye violence against others not of the same tribe. One recent example came when the Bible-thumping Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, Mike Johnson, said God has appointed him to be the next Aaron. In the Old Testament, Aaron was the mouthpiece for his brother Moses. Apparently, Speaker Johnson forgot that it was Aaron who wound up taking all the gold jewelry from the Hebrews to sculpt and glorify a golden cow, a golden idol to bow down to and worship. Or perhaps Johnson realizes he is actually doing the same thing. Enamored with certain foreign dictators, some authoritarian-leaning churches now look forward to collapsing the democracy Uh, in America, a country that was established on the love-based principle that all men and women are created equal. The founders wrote, we are endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Aspirationally, this applies to all of us, regardless of race, religion, gender, or national origin. And this is exactly what NDEers teach as well. But God loves us all and wants us to do the same. So why are some churches evangelizing in favor of racism, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, and other forms of bigotry instead? When pressed, some will claim they are doing the work of the devil for the sake of bringing on the second coming. But we don't have to drive the family car off a cliff like some depressed teenager trying to get daddy's attention. What they're forgetting is Jesus returns at the second coming to separate those who do evil, even if they do it in Jesus' name, from those who do good. Jesus returns to separate the goats who bring on the end times from the sheep who try to preserve God's will on earth. As Jesus told his disciples in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 25, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. 
Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick in prison, and did not help you, he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me, and then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Well, believe it or not, there are churches out there today who are telling their congregations that only Christians are the sheep that get saved and all other religions are the goats. Clearly, that is not what Jesus said. And NDEs affirm there's no religion in heaven, only love. The Gospel of Matthew continues, When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is in two days, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in their palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. This is the same crime some priests and pastors of today are actually accomplishing, to please their wealthy sponsors and the lie-to-gain-power politicians. They are murdering the teachings of Jesus concerning compassion and love for others, murdering God's will all over again. When a billionaire implies there are not enough white babies being born, and a wannabe Hitler responds that migrants are poisoning the blood of America, and then these pastors and their congregations say amen to that, we are not only hearing the rebirth of World War II fascism, we are also indulging the echoes of Holocaust schadenfreude, schadenfreude, defined as the experience of pleasure, joy, or self-satisfaction that comes from learning of or witnessing the troubles, failures, pain, or humiliation of others. It is a compound of the German word schaden, meaning damage, harm, and freude, meaning joy. Dictators like Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, and other narcissists in power often do take pleasure, joy, and self-satisfaction that comes from actually inflicting troubles, failures, pain, or humiliation on others. 
It takes an unrepentant narcissist to be that cruel, but sadly, the world is full of narcissists who care only about themselves. These are the goats that other goats cling to as their sacred cult leaders. Such cult leaders are actually antichrists. Today in the world, from Putin to Kim Jong-un and onward, there is a collective antichrist force already at work to defeat the love of God and the teachings of Jesus concerning love. So that's where we make our free will choice, to turn to love or turn to a hate built on the basis of us against them. That is the world of Lucifer, when he rebelled against God and took a third of the angels with him in his fall to earth. Interestingly, it only took only a third of German citizens to propel Hitler to power. People all the time are asking, why doesn't God help us out of this mess? There is uh, a limited but very important free will gift involved in the answer. We may not have much free will in the ordinary situations of our lives, but when it comes to choosing or not choosing to embrace the love of God, free will is there, just as it was in the spiritual lesson of Adam and Eve. To test humanity, as with Adam and Eve, God gave us the free will choice to join with the light or reject the light to share love with others, or only love ourselves. One leads to life, life in God's love, the other to an isolation from that love. I do believe it's not God who punishes us, but we do it to ourselves. When in our life review we see what we've done, we have the capacity to condemn ourselves to hells of our own making. But listen, is God still speaking to us? While God has every reason to be upset with us. It turns out God is still speaking to us. We know this in large part because of the thousands of near-death experiences that are happening every day throughout the world to people of all religions and to those with no religion at all. NDEs speak of how much God loves each and every one of us. Meanwhile, the frighteningly negative, distressing near-death experiences we sometimes hear about Demonstrate how we will suffer if we choose to cut ourselves off from the love of God our souls yearn for, even when we feel we are unworthy. The fact is we are all unworthy of God's love. Still, if we let God know we want to do uh, uh, practice love, even as Jesus said, by so little as giving one of his disciples a cup of water, then God will know we do indeed want to enter into the light. Now, let me be clear. We don't need to die in order to learn about love firsthand for ourselves. Revelation can come to those who yearn for it, sometimes as simply as turning to meditation. A few weeks ago, I read a short experience from the Files of Ions on just such an example, so let me repeat it here. The experiencer wrote, Believe it or not, I was meditating. It was my first time meditating. I always wanted to learn how. After some tips from a friend, I tried again when I found myself home alone, which is rare when you have three kids. I had believed I had to be dead to find out to find myself in heaven. I 100% know it wasn't a dream. It's still amazing to me it happened. I've always believed my experience is meant to be shared. To experience that kind of love, I have to share it. 
wow, I can't ex- stress enough the love God has for us, the warmth that covered me and how unconditional it made me feel. It made me feel perfect, perfectly loved as I am no matter what. You hear people say they don't want to come back to this earthly life. It's true. I believe if Jesus had given me the option to stay in heaven, I think I would have stayed. Knowing God is waiting for me after this life makes it challenging to go uh, to live this earthly life because here is nothing like heaven, obviously. What I try to do is share God's love and grace. The only thing I have now after my visit is that I no longer fear much. I believe we were meant to live with no fear, to live live like no one is watching. I heard someone say recently something to the effect of, you have to live this life to get to the next life, meaning to get to heaven. Such a true statement. I know this is long enough. I just get so excited to share. Here's my testimony. I find myself walking on green grass, the most beautiful, greenest green I've ever seen. I notice the colors are so bright and vivid, so gorgeous, incredible, so unimaginable, it's difficult to describe. I see a picnic table where a man and a boy sit. I begin walking toward them. I notice a feeling of unconditional love so much stronger than I've ever known. It feels like a warm, tingling blanket covering me. There's absolutely no question I am very much loved here. I feel so perfect. I feel so wanted here, like I belong, almost as if I was lost for a long time, and now happiness is in the air because I'm found. I know this place is heaven. As I get closer to the picnic table, the man stands up. I glance at the boy whose hair reminds me of my son's hair when he was younger. The man takes a step towards me and begins to open his arms to his side. I'm not sure he is. I'm not sure who he is. At at first glance, I think maybe David, because he looks similar to some pictures I've seen. As his arms lift higher by his side, he says, We are waiting for you. I take a step back and realize this man is Jesus. He doesn't look like the pictures I see normally of him with a long beard and long hair. He has sandy blonde hair, short beard, blue-green hazel eyes. My heart leaps like it's going to jump out of my chest and I find myself in my home again. I want to go back to heaven. I believe the boy is my firstborn child that I lost while pregnant. I wish I could have hugged him and spent time with him. I wish I could have spent more time with Jesus. I believe I had this experience because I've often wondered if I'm doing things right. Will Jesus approve? Will God approve? I'd also thought often of my son as well as of my grandparents, how I miss them so much. Jesus' words that he spoke to me tell me that I'm a child of God and he has a place waiting for me. As the days passed after my visit, I began to realize my fear of anything has drastically been reduced, if not completely gone. I'm not worried about the problems I face anymore. I know who has my back. I know where I'm going when this life is over, and I'm looking forward to it. Here the account ends. And so I would suggest, if you haven't tried meditation, that you try it for yourself. Now, nothing I'm saying here is complicated. 
But let me summarize it anyway. God loves us and gave us the free will to choose to love God back or not. Love is heaven. Loss of love is hell. And the choice is ours to make. There is another reason to abandon bigotry as well, and that is the matter of reincarnation. It's a tricky topic because some bigotry is based on some religion's misuse of karma. In Hindu practice, for example, untouchables are discriminated against because of sins they supposedly committed in a past life. Therefore, it's reasoned, they deserve to be mistreated. Of course, that doesn't justify the bad behavior of the people who are mistreating and abusing them. Their next life's karma is being made from what they do right now, so they better wise up. But setting that aside, I wouldn't put it past God to have a white racist born next time into a black body, or a fascist born again as an Orthodox Jew. The life review serves the same function, of course, as you stand in the shoes of the people you mistreated in this life. Last week's show recounted Charles Dickens' well-known story about Scrooge, a selfish businessman who cared for no one but himself. The story is a moral lesson for everyone, and when it got published, the story almost single-handedly restored a right understanding of Christmas as a season to be celebrated with love and generosity. But short of a spiritually transformative experience like Scrooge uh, had or an NDE, overnight changes of heart can be rare. So how do we change ourselves and others for the better? As a hospital chaplain, I was often asked, what is a chaplain? When introducing myself to a newly admitted patient at Eastern Maine Medical Center. Some older patients who remembered the TV show MASH from the 1970s and the character who played chaplain Father Mulcahy would say it would tell me they weren't Catholics, and I would tell them I wasn't representing any denominational point of view. But the question always prompted me to examine what I was doing. What is a chaplain, after all? Often we're ordained under some denomination or other, but chaplains shouldn't represent a particular point of view about God and the hereafter. We're not social workers either, although that can become part of the job. Nor are we psychologists, although we sometimes are asked by medical staff to act as psychologists. To do the job right, we are not priests or pastors, caseworkers, or psychologists, though there is some overlap in all these fields. Some of us pretend to be philosophers, but primarily we learn and serve by active listening. On that account, one other thing we are not is judges, even though it's sometimes easy for pastors and priests to assume that position. Well, consider, it's not by chance that the traditional uniforms are the same. The long black robes of priests, pastors, and judges a holdover from the Middle Ages, implies an authority to which folks are expected to defer. When dual roles get confused um, uh, with uh, two denominational chaplains who also serve as denominational pastors or uh, priests, um, it sometimes helps to remember that God is not denominational. Keep in mind that rules can become uh, religion's poor substitute for channeling God's love. 
As a chaplain, I used to wear a jacket and tie and was often mistaken for a doctor. So entering a patient's room, I would lead off by saying I'm the chaplain. Questions sometimes turn to, so uh, what do chaplains know and how do you know it? Basic questions are relevant, given you may just have entered a life and death situation. After patients learn what we do, some expect chaplains to be sources of spiritual, psychological, and philosophical wisdom. Accordingly, our best bet is almost always the chaplain's default position of compassionate listening. (laughs) But questions do deserve an attempt at answers. Sometimes analogies taught in parable form, like Jesus' story of the wheat field and the weeds, can provide insight. One question I was asked again and again was, why does God allow so much cruelty and suffering in the world? The Gospel of Matthew attributes to Jesus the following parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat was sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bushels to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. This little parable lays out in simple terms the relationship of good and evil in the world and how we live with both of them in our lives. As we near the end, it becomes important to sort the harvest from the weeds. Change the language for non-Christians and the story can work as well. For example, say the God of love planted love on the earth, but while we were sleeping, ego came and planted selfishness among the love and went away. When the love was sprouted, the selfishness also appeared. Love's servants asked him, do you want us to go out and pull selfishness out? Love answered, no, because while you are pulling the selfishness, you may uproot the growth of love with it. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the selfishness and tie it in bushels to be forgotten. Then gather the love and bring it into my light. One of the complexities of this life is the interrelatedness of love and selfishness. Hearts made to love find the strands of selfishness there as well. It resides in every heart. Selfishness comes naturally to our physical being. And just like real gardens, weeds left untended often have a physical advantage over the delicate nature of what is hoped will be the harvest. But love with a capital L, God has chosen not to intercede as if the weeds are intended to make the results of the harvest clear. Or look at it another way. Perhaps being that it's the nature of love to forgive, love sorts out the selfishness within each of us. The love in our hearts, no matter how crushed by the weeds, can ultimately find a place in God's light. Where do NDEs fit into this picture? Well, to expand on the parable, love sometimes pours its spiritual water down on us from time to time. And every experiencer and every ear that hears of their experiences can respond to this water. It's a gift that blesses every yearning soul. 
That spiritual watering can heal us better than any doctor, chaplain, or psychologist might imagine. It can come when we least expect it, when we're even close to dying, and its amazing grace can restore us with the power of truth and love to an otherworldly degree. It can come in the form of a near-death experience, an out-of-body experience, an after-death communication, and any other of the events lumped under the term spiritually transformative experience. It's called transformative because it has the power to change the direction of your understanding and even the course of your life. It's a personal, mystical experience that can pour over you in just a matter of minutes or even seconds. It can change you forever, and it can transform others who hear about it as well. Sharing these stories with others enough could actually save the world. Let me repeat, though, that it's empathetic listening and, when appropriate, empathetic prayer that helps uh, open doors even better than conversation. Empathetic listening can lead to breakthroughs uh, that help free another from the rut they're bogged in. I've noticed those ruts are often the product of circular, demoralizing reasoning and may even come from dogma they've been taught by religion or science. But many folks who ask to see the chaplain or need a visit from a friend are not looking for answers so much as having the company of a compassionate companion. Most answers to the inherent whys in life get summarized in the wordless expression of spiritual love. Nothing so powerful as the reminder of love we can present through empathy, especially since spiritual love is the truth we are all seeking in the end. The point of all this is to say we are all chaplains to one another, and it benefits friends, enemies, and yourself alike to employ listening deep listening, as I tried to do in my job. Those years I spent listening, I hate to admit, probably taught me more about God's love than the patience I listened to got from me, although I did my best to return the favor. Anyway, those are my suggestions for healing yourself while helping others. Combine personal meditation with the teaching power of NDEs and the healing power of compassionate listening. You'll be helping to heal the world in 2024. Well, thanks for being there. If you'd like to hear this show again or any of our more than 500 archived ad-free NDE interviews, go to TalkZone's NDE radio site and hit the Past Shows button, or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE radio library. And be sure to check out our NDE radio Facebook page, just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app and listen next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.